1: Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and today I welcome Fred Joyle to the show who says boldness can be learned and hesitation is the opportunity killer, and I know that for a fact. So Fred is an author, a speaker, an entrepreneur, and a business advisor. He co-founded the most successful dentist referral service in the country. 1-800-DENTIST, and he has previously written two books on marketing, has dabbled in stand-up and improv comedy, acted in what he says are bad movies but excellent TV commercials, and his latest book, which I happen to have on my Kindle, is Super Bold, From Underconfident to Charismatic in 90 Days, and it's an Amazon and Wall Street Journal bestseller. He once beat Sir Richard Branson, of all people, in chess, and was also an answer on Jeopardy. He's an avid cyclist, a below-average tennis player, and an even worse golfer. So he joins us today to share a systematic way for anyone to radically increase their boldness and confidence to remarkable levels in a very short time, and that's important to know. So he started out as a very shy person in his youth. We're going to talk about that. And Fred, welcome to your partner in Success Radio. It's good to have you here.
0: It's good to be here, Denise. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, listen, I read your book over the weekend. I read it on my Kindle. Listen, I, I'm i not a shy person. I am an introvert. Anybody who knows me or has heard me on the radio understands that. I'm not shy, and I don't have any filters. But it did take me a while to just kind of step out of what I would call my comfort zone, which was sitting very quietly and listening to the adults in the room, And then blackmailing them later, basically. But, you know, sometimes you just have to step out of what you think you are and just be bold. So let's – listen, before we get moving, tell people a bit about you that I didn't uh, cover. And then let's just go into how you can succeed in business and careers and have a great time doing it.
0: Well as I, as you mentioned I started out as a very shy person and I and I missed a lot of opportunities because of it and it was it was very frustrating I you know I couldn't ask a girl out I couldn't even make a phone call uh, somebody tried to hire me as a, a a salesperson and I couldn't dial the phone I couldn't do anything and just I was realizing how much I was missing out on life. And I saw bold people and I thought, why are they like this? How how are they doing this? Uh, and and it seems to come naturally to them, but it's not coming naturally to me. And so I just kept pushing myself and trying to get, you know, through my discomfort. And gradually I started to feel that reward loop for being boldness, bold and bold things started happening in a positive way, and I, and I kept doing that. And it took a long time, but I also realized that I wanted to be able to teach this to people who were suffering from the same malady I was, uh, which is a lot of people. A lot of people don't have – they don't develop good social skills because they don't know how to be outgoing. They're so uncomfortable – being uh, in any social situation or pursuing things that are important to them. That's when a lot of people hesitate or are underconfident is when it matters most. And that's what happened to me many times, but it doesn't happen anymore. And that's the big difference. I, I chase my dreams without impeding myself, which is the most important thing. So that's how I got to the book and, Get it out to people. I, I started by teaching a, a high school group of students, and I had basically laid out that boldness is a superpower, and the sooner you learn it, the better. And they said, great, how do we do that? So I had to make a commitment that I would write the book and lay out the steps of how to, how to do it in a much quicker way. So that's what Super Bold is about.
1: And we're not saying that you have to be arrogant or obnoxious to be bold at all. And a lot of people go, well, yeah, but I can't do that. That's just rude. Well, not really. Not if you are paying attention. Listen, I i don't know what it is about me. I must have a much friendlier persona than I think I do. But no matter where I am, when I'm out and about, if I'm in a grocery store, if I'm in a Walmart parking lot, people will, always talk to me, always, 100, I'm never going to get out, back into my car from whatever (laughs) building I walked into or out of without people going, hey, and I don't know them, and I'm there probably, but I enjoy it, but there's something about me that makes people bold enough to say, hey, how are you doing? And I'm always startled, because to me, I've got my ball cap on, I've got my Ray-Bans on, I don't want anybody to talk to me, and they always do, but I always enjoy it. So there's something about me that makes people bold enough to come up and talk to me when I think it's clear that I don't want to be talked to. But apparently I'm not nearly as good at being invisible as I think I
0: am. You are are failing at repelling people because you actually radiate approachability somehow which is a great thing. Uh, and you, see, you know,
1: I go out with my resting bitch face on deliberately. It doesn't work.
0: <laughs> to you it's a resting bitch face, the other people, it says, say hi to me. So <laughs> you, you've got, you know, you've got uh, facial dysmorphic syndrome or something. Uh,
1: well, my, my point for telling the, you the, that is that we we don't, really understand how we approach other people or they approach us until as you did you start paying attention and finding out what's you know, really kind of important and how you present and what your quiet persona is is probably not what you think it is you may not be nearly as shy or as tongue-tied as you think you are
0: yeah well and, and what you you also started with is that You're not going to become somebody else. That's not what becoming super bold is about. Being super bold means you're able in every situation to present your true, full self. You're not holding back. You're not stopping yourself from entering a situation maybe you want to be in or a person you want to meet or something you want to try that that feels risky or challenging or that you might fail at. Your boldness is about chasing your personal dreams and bringing the, the whole you that of holding it back and, and being able to call on it whenever you, whenever you need it, whenever you're in a situation where you feel like this is something I ought to be doing or I, you know, to fulfill myself, to lead a satisfying life. It, this isn't about getting over on people. This isn't a course in manipulation. This is about a course in fulfillment, I think, is the best way to put it.
1: And listen, I was reading the book over the weekend, and it's a quick read. It's, I was highlighting like crazy. I've got things that I wanted to go back and kind of study and probably chat with you if we have an opportunity. But how do people – I mean, one of the things that you said in here is, you know, people all the time are – they're doing things that they really don't. Understand that like you said they they sing karaoke badly and do it sober, and they divorce an unsuitable husband, even though their culture forbids it at some point. I guess you have to just kind of dig down and say, This is not how I want to live; I want to be out there, I want to be more personable, I want to you know be associated with other people and be able to network and just do the things that other people do without going, Oh my God, I think I'm going to throw up.
0: Yeah. I, I, it, it has to come from a place of frustration. Most people change because the pain is too much that what they're suffering is, is not worth enduring anymore. And it doesn't have to be like physical suffering. Obviously it's psychological suffering. It's, It's opportunities slipping away from them, Uh, and it could be loneliness. It could be uh, not getting ahead in your career. Uh, It could be any one of these things. It could be being uncomfortable at parties, even though you want to go out and socialize. Uh, you You don't know how to meet people comfortably and interact with them. These are things that a lot of people were never taught. We don't have parents who know how to do it. Or we have parents who are really good at it but don't know how to teach us how to be that way. And we go, I don't get how they are that way. How do I get from shy me to bold them? I don't have a pathway to it. So, it, 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 you know, I lay out a systematic way that you can do it, that you can take yourself from however shy you are to that, wherever you want to get. I mean, I'm still working on becoming bolder, but there are, I don't miss situations anymore. I don't miss meeting people anymore. I'm always just expanding my comfort zone all the time. But I'm chasing my dreams relentlessly because that's, that's the life I want to have. I don't, I don't want to have a stack of regrets at the end of my life. And that's what motivates people, I think, to to say, you know, i, I got to figure out a way out of this. And then once they start to do it, they say, oh, yeah this is This is just the real me coming out and chasing what what I want in life and getting it
1: in your book, you say you see boldness as something even greater than self confidence, and I believe that i mean i I really do believe that it took me the longest kind of time to just say, "Hey, I'm not going to do this anymore or hey, do not talk to me like don't speak to me like that, I'll bloody your nose." Well, and mostly I'm talking to myself when I'm saying that because you ever listen to yourself? Holy cow! If people spoke to me in the way I speak to myself, some I'd be in jail. I really would. I'd be hustling for bail money. So, and I'm I'm guessing that's my next question. Do we have to be careful how we speak to ourselves? And it's so easy. Oh, I don't want to go to that networking event. And truly, I don't. I don't like them. I don't do well in crowds. But I network on social media. I network on this podcast. I meet the greatest people. There's ways to find your boldness. But I wanted to ask you what. What had you – what was it? Was there a point where you just said, I don't want to do this anymore? I don't want to keep missing things. I mean, I, this is not me. This is not how I want to, to show up in the world.
0: Yeah, I, I think it was – for me, it was personal relationships. It was, you know, it was one relationship that didn't start with this woman that we, we were very, very compatible And uh, just I didn't speak up at a moment that was anybody would have said, oh, well, that's obviously the time where you speak up. But I was so afraid that it would I would be rejected or, or she would just go, oh, no, I see you as friends that I basically guaranteed that that's all we became was friends. And as I reflected on it and then, of course, later I found out that she was as interested in me as I was in her. And I thought, uh, oh, well, I that's know. great to know now that it's too late. Uh, and that was a real trigger point for me. And I said, I, I, this has to stop. I and I have to get good at it by starting off being bad at it. I've got to be clumsy and awkward until I'm not. And it, it was, it was fairly quickly that I worked my way through it because I was willing to reflect on it and say, okay. I'm, I'm going to probably embarrass myself, but so what? <laughs> you know, I don't have to take the rejection as I am not worthy. That's, that's such a, an amazing message that we're giving ourselves all the time, is that we are not worthy of being in this relationship or getting a raise or, or, or being an entrepreneur or any of these things. Or, and, and, of course, as you say, the stuff that we tell ourselves that stops us is so persuasive because that voice in our head knows all of our triggers. Oh, you're gonna, people are going to laugh at you. You're going to be embarrassed. You're going to fail at this, and you're going to regret it your whole life. It's all – it's amazing how wrong it is. I mean, so the real thing is if, if you can hear that voice and say, is that actually the truth? Yeah,
1: is it real? Because is it really time, real? It yep. Nope, it's yeah, not.
0: Yeah. Um, could it possibly be true that, that, that this person that I walk up to is going to say, get away from me. I don't find you interesting. What are the odds of that actually happening? Now, they may not be interested, but the other thing is that we do is we create these delusions. It's like, oh, if, if they're not interested in me, I, I'm missing out. Well, maybe they're not interested in you, and you're and they're doing you a favor because you're not going to end up being interested in a real relationship with them either. That it doesn't just because you find them appealing, doesn't mean that you're going to continue to find them appealing after you get to know them. And no kidding. So we, we, <laughs> we project so this massive personality, you know. And then we can't fulfill it because we're—they're not even compatible with us. But we've told ourselves that this is—you know—oh, if I if I fail at this, it's going to be horrible. I'll feel the rejection. I won't be worthy of of a relationship. Old people—they wherever they are—they act like they belong there, and they are worthy of meeting anyone anywhere or trying anything, and they absorb failure as as information, as a way to get better and move on and as a step up. And that's, when you can transform that thinking, it changes everything.
1: I love what you just said, they absorb failure as information. That's what a lot of entrepreneurs do. In fact, I think that's what most entrepreneurs do. We Listen, if you're an entrepreneur, so am I. And as far as I'm concerned, I get out of bed every day knowing I'm going to fall on my high knee at least three times that day. At least. I'm going to fail at something, but I'm going to find a way around it, under it. I may blow it up. I may say, "Hmm, not worth my time and trouble. You're going to fail at something all day, every day. There's no point in crying about it.
0: Well, and and one of the big traps that we fall into when we are hesitant, when we're shy, when we're underconfident, is we lapse into perfectionism. Oh, it's like I yep. have to I have look to perfect or I have to have the perfect things to say or I have to be really good at something before I try it, which is ridiculous. You you, you would not learn to play ten- start playing tennis until you were perfect at it. That's impossible. But we do it socially all the time, and we do it in in business in those situations all the time. It's like we – we go, uh, uh, not until I'm perfect. I won't launch the business until it's exactly perfect. Whereas any entrepreneur knows that's, that's not possible. You have to launch and figure out what the marketplace actually wants, what you're missing, what they care about, and how you're going to fix it. It's the only way it ever happens. But So perfectionism just keeps you from starting. But it's safe. It feels really good because you're working on your business. But you're actually not. You're preventing your business from starting so that you're going to work on your business.
1: True. A and I have been a huge
0: trap. And yeah.
1: it's procrastination in its purest form. That's all it is.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. It, we redefine it as, as, as something, you know, effective where it's grossly ineffective.
1: That's exactly right. And you, you just used a word that I read over and over again in your book, which was hesitation. And hesitation can be bad for you. I mean, there's times when you really do need to hesitate. But there's times when hesitation can also, you know, get you run over by a car if you're not looking. Or it can do something like you did where you you lost what could potentially be a really fulfilling relationship because you just hesitated. So what do you tell people when, when they start recognizing? And I encourage everybody listening to start Paying attention to when you hesitate, it might be a falter in your step. It might be like, oh, no, I can't do that. No, I don't want to do it. Public speaking. Being on a podcast is something that scares some people half to death. I don't understand why, but it does. I mean, well, aren't there memes out there or statements out there that say public speaking is more frightening than dying? Which, again, I don't understand is it. it, is it, but... it
0: the, the first or second biggest fear for most people, uh, fear, fear of heights, uh, fear of snakes, fear of uh, public speaking. More people are afraid of public speaking than almost anything. And it's, it's a life skill. If you can't get in front of people and present your ideas clearly, enthusiastically, uh, confidently, you're, you are radically impaired. But also, the, the other thing I talk about with hesitation is sometimes things come along and you get one shot, one moment to act, to speak up, to step up. And if you don't, it's, it doesn't come around again. That window closes. I, I, I often use the example of, of eulogizing uh, a parent or a friend, and then people say, oh, I, I don't, I'm not – I I hate speaking in front of people. You know, I'm I'm too uncomfortable. I can't do it. And I say to them, you're going to regret this the rest of your life to not go up and say something. It's not a performance. You're not being judged on the quality of your content and your delivery. This is you talking about how you feel about that person. And if you don't get up there and do it, however you do it, you're going to regret it. And it, it will happen. It has happened to people. And that's, that's an extreme example. But it is also a perfect example of you don't get another bite at this apple. It's gone. The, the, this opportunity will slip away. And you better get frustrated about those opportunities that slipped away. Actually reflect on your life, on the ones you missed, and, and get angry about it. And say, uh, hesitation killed that opportunity for me. And I'm not doing it again. I would rather do it badly than not have tried to do it. Because that's what bold people do all the time. They go, I think I'll try this. I may suck at it. But I, but I want to try it and see how it goes and see what it would feel like to get better at it. And, and so really it's, it's appreciating that there are many times, many important times where you will have that moment to speak up. And, you know, and I, I have stories of people that I help them with it. I see them do it. And I say, okay, here's the story you told yourself about why you shouldn't act. And here's what would have happened more likely if you did. And they said, and then they start to say, Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess that could have happened. I said, yeah, in fact, it's more likely that that would have happened rather than what your negative self-programming voice was telling you.
1: You know, a lot of people do. I've been known to do it and I've got one or two instances where I didn't do what I needed to do. And it haunts me still. It really does. Who wants that? Who wants to have that regret? You did it to yourself. It was a self-inflicted wound. It was stupid. It was ignorant. It was arrogant. Whatever your reasoning was, you've got to live with it.
0: Yeah, and it should gnaw at you. I was, I was talking to a nurse who one of the things he did, he did as part of his job is he would be with people in their last day or their last hours of their life. And he said the number one thing that they would express is the, the things that they didn't do, the regrets that they had over the things that they didn't say or the things that they didn't do or the things they didn't try. They didn't have regrets over, oh, I, I was so embarrassing that time where I did this and people laughed at me. They don't have, None of that means anything to them. What What is gnawing at them is like, I should have met that person. I should have started my own business. Uh, I should have healed my relationship with my brother. Uh, I, I should have gotten a divorce 20 years earlier. Uh, whatever it is, or that that's what is chewing them up in their final hours. I don't want that to happen to me. I want I want to be sitting there going, "Yep, I left it all on the mat." I i, I There's more I want to do, but this was an incredibly satisfying life because I took a swing at everything that came anywhere near the plate. Uh, And it it takes time to do that. But once you start to do it, I I point this out to people too as well, is when you start to create this boldness success loop, you create new neural pathways in your brain. and And towards acting boldly, acting with confidence, because you are being rewarded for it. And the other thing that's happening literally is that your hesitation, your underconfident neural pathways are atrophying. They, they stop being your default mode. That's what you want to do. That's what developing super boldness is, is you've allowed that, re- that process to atrophy in your personality and in your brain. So that you become the person who acts, who steps up, and it, it anybody can do it. It doesn't change who you are; it just changes what you get out of life, where you reach, what you discover. And, and exactly. it's, it's so, important. It's so important, yeah. And
1: we're talking about. Sir Richard Branson earlier and uh, you're a friend of his and all I could think was in his final moments I don't see him regretting anything other than hey I'm not done yet can we wait just a little bit
0: yeah uh, but yeah he, he's one of the people I admire most because he is he seizes opportunities and always has but he created those neural pathways for himself he was a, he was uh, an underconfident person but his mother was actually a tremendous influence in building his abil- confidence and ability. He actually tells the story of when I think he was like eight years old, and his mom dropped him off like five miles from the house and said, "Find your way home." Now that's a little <laughs> that's serious. Wouldn't serious. Um, well, do that. He did. <laughs> And, and he, he went, oh, okay, I could actually find my way home. And, you know, imagine how hard that was for her to do it. But she said, I, I need him to, be, to believe in himself and struggle and, and realize uh, stuff. But the other thing that she said, and I think was one of the great life lessons, she said, most people watch other people do stuff, we do stuff. He said, so I didn't spend a lot of time watching sports or watching TV and things like that. I was out there in the world doing stuff, trying stuff. And, uh, and you know, and then, and of course, the opportunity came up for me to play chess with him. Uh, and he, he asked me if I wanted to play chess, and I hadn't played chess in, like, 35 years. Now, hesitant Fred would have said, oh, no, no, I, I, don't, I don't play chess because – I would, I would have wanted to lose in five moves or something like that, or just not play well and be embarrassed. Instead, Bold Fred said, yeah, I played chess. And I actually played so unorthodox. He couldn't figure out what the heck I was doing. And because I was just hadn't played chess in so long and I actually beat him because he just couldn't figure out what my strategy was because my strategy didn't exist for the most part. Um, and, uh, and but I also know how to treat somebody who is very successful, very famous, and that's talk to him like a normal person. He, he meets so many people who want to interview him or tell them about their business for free business advice, or even worse, ask for him to invest in their business. Like he needs an investment. You know, he's a multi-billionaire. And, and so I, we just ended up talking politics and and, you know, criticizing each other's chess moves. And, and he has an incredibly playful sense of humor. Uh, and because of it, he kept seeking me out to play chess and talk with, you know, was with 30 other people. And they were going, like, you're, you're monopolizing Branson. I said, no, I'm not. He's coming to me because I'm behaving like a normal – I'm treating him like a normal person. And it's because I developed those social skills. I, I learned how to interact with anybody and act like I belong wherever I am, because I do. He's just another human being, basically. I don't have to put him on a pedestal and, and say I am not worthy to speak to him. I'm worthy to speak to anybody.
1: See, what we're talking about today, that story is Probably the most important thing that I'm going to take away from this today, and I suspect a lot of our audience will as well, because, I mean, you're self-admitted shy, introvert, quiet, you know, worried all the time, not all that impressed with yourself, and you found a way to say, this is not how I want to live my life, walk through my path, and die, You figured out that you had to do something that was going to make you a happier, better, stronger person. And I think that's really what I want people to take away from this today, that you don't have to just go, it's what I am. I can't do it. You can do it. And you talk a lot in your book about your boldness can help you appear charismatic, which is exactly what you just shared with us.
0: Yeah, it's, it, it, charisma is just that sense that that people perceive about you that you are comfortable in any situation that you and you so you're radiating your confidence and that is appealing to people. When I get on stage, I could actually be nervous about the, the fact that it's 5,000 people uh, and, and that I'm trying out some new stuff on them, but they can't tell that I'm nervous. They think I'm excited to be there because mostly that's what I am. I'm taking that nervousness and using it to energize me, to excite me, to say, wow, I am going out on an edge here. I'm walking out on the plank." And, and not being afraid of heights and discovering something. And that's really what happens. When you start to do this and you start to turn it into energy rather than impediment, all of a sudden your brain goes to a different level and you get more creative and and, and more expressive and, it, and people are just drawn to it. And it's not that you're a show-off. It's not that you're – out for attention it's just that you're giving something and that's and that's a very you know I talk about that a lot in the book is like one of the primary things that I do in life because I'm bold is I put energy into making everybody I encounter feel better about themselves it could be the barista at Starbucks it could be somebody that works for me it could be my brother it could be my sister-in-law, it could be an old friend, whatever it is, my energy, my expression is going to be to make them feel better about themselves and and to feel connected to me, however briefly.
1: Right. And it's not that difficult to do. It's in my experience, you know, being an introvert, and I've had people say, oh, you shouldn't call yourself that, but I am. And I am a highly committed introvert. I like it. <laughs> I don't have any problem with it <laughs> at all. But, in fact, I fully intend to grow up to be the crazy cat lady sitting on the front porch with a shotgun, probably, and a bottle of, you know, some kind of something or another sitting next to me, a cat on my lap, yelling, get off the lawn. I mean, that's what I aspire to, and I'll probably make it. <laughs> But the thing is, I'm not shy. I've, I was, you know, basically diagnosed by everybody around me when I was "Get oh, shy. I wasn't. I was just quiet and paying a lot of attention and reading everything I could put my hands on. So, you know, it's how you define yourself is how you're going to move forward, right? So how do we help people in this short 30 minutes we've got left redefine themselves and say, hmm, I can do that. I may be shy. I might be shy. I don't even know if I'm shy, but I can be bolder and more charismatic. So what are the steps that you would say, okay, let's start with this.
0: So what I teach in the book is uh, what I call the pride method. And it's an acronym for the five steps to building your boldness in a systematic way, step by step. And, It's based on principles of how we get good at anything, uh, particularly at social skills and expressive skills, is by starting very gradually but working at it consistently. So the, the five steps of the PRIDE method are the P stands for preparation, the R stands for relaxing, the I stands for insight, the D stands for dosage, and the E stands for everyday action. So let me break them down. If you're, let's say you're, you're at a party and uh, you want to meet, let me make it even simpler. You're in line at Starbucks and you've decided you want to just start talking to somebody in line. That's going to be your daily routine. You're going to talk to a, a complete stranger. And that's one of my basic advice in terms of training yourself. Talk to strangers. So you're in line at Starbucks. You see a person in front of you, and I, you say, all right, I'm going to start a conversation. You have to prepare what you're going to say. So what do you do? You look at them and say, well, how could I compliment this person? Right? You don't have to be funny. You don't have to be clever, witty, any of those things. You just have to be nice. This is a lot of challenge we put on ourselves. It's like, oh, I have to be highly entertaining in the first five seconds, or they won't be interested in me. That's nonsense. That's, that's what creates hesitation. That's a huge challenge, and it's not necessary. And actually, some people, they don't know how to rise to the challenge, or they, they, they don't appreciate your sense of humor or any of those things. So you look at the person and you say, okay, how would I compliment them? Well, those are really interesting glasses they have on, or this, that, that's, that handbag looks great, or that suit looks terrific on them. And you just, that's what you're going to say. And you're just going to say, excuse me, I just wanted to let you know that, you know, that, that suit looks great on you. And that's it. That's, that's your preparation. And they're not going to say, get away from me. I've never met a person who didn't absorb a compliment with some kind of almost, sometimes they have a shy reaction. Uh, They don't know how to take a compliment, but that's their problem, not yours. And so, That's your preparation. You're going to say that. And, of course, you're going to eventually there could be an interaction. There could be a back and forth on that because they could be, oh, you know what? I I just bought this suit. Thank you very much. And you say, well, uh, you have really good taste and i would actually be interested in knowing where you got that suit Uh, because my my husband is is not a great dresser. (laughs) And so I I just want one good suit that looks good on him. Uh, and and now all of a sudden you have this great little interaction that is about them, and so preparing yourself allows you to get those get the right words out, and you can get creative because you got fallback words. The other thing about preparation that's really important, where however you're doing it, whether it's a conversation or you're presenting to your team at work or you're presenting to investors, is being well prepared. Creates the opportunity for spontaneity, because you always have your fallback on you what you could say, and you discover something a lot of times in the moment. That's part of the power of preparation. And we think we shouldn't have to do that in social situations, and we absolutely have to. Preparation. The next step is relaxing, which is, you know, people always used to say this to me when I was nervous. They'd say, well, why don't you just relax? And I like, if I knew how I would do it. And plus now that they've noticed I'm nervous, it makes me more nervous. like, Oh my gosh, it shows. (laughs) And so there are very simple ways to relax yourself. And I go into great detail on techniques in the book, but some of it is just, are you, is your body all tensed up? Check your physiology. What are you doing? Are your arms folded tight? Are your legs crossed? Are your shoulders hunched up? What are you doing that's adding to the tension? And then just shake it off, relax it. And Breathe. The other thing yeah. Breathing techniques are very,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> breathing. It's so important. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, because uh, when we perceive psychological danger, we have the same autonomic reaction as physical danger. This is because we're we are very primal beings, we've got a lizard brain doing all sorts of things for us that are not always helpful and so holding your breath in a danger situation actually probably makes sense if you're on the African plane a hundred thousand years ago because you don't want anybody or any animal that's stalking you to hear you breathe, but it doesn't help to not have oxygen when you're in a social situation <laughs> uh, or or uh, <laughs> So just take, if you take three deep breaths, it will actually start to relax you. It's amazingly powerful. And then once you can dial back your nervousness, it, now it creates a whole different feedback loop. because You say, oh, I, I'm more relaxed. So it, it allows you to dial down, just like somebody pointing out that you're nervous dials up your nervousness. You say, wow, I'm in control of my state. I can, I, that actually worked. I'm feeling more relaxed. And now you can take that energy and turn it into something positive, something expressive. So relaxing, second step. The third step is to have insights. And the number one insight you can have in a social situation is that people are not thinking about you anywhere near as much as you think they are. They're thinking about themselves. And the corollary to that is, if they have a judgment about you, it's most likely inaccurate, just like all of your judgments about people are mostly inaccurate. We, we are masters of the casual judgment of somebody. We judge them by their height, by their hair color, by what they're wearing, by the way they walk, you know, you know any number of things. We create a whole personality story around the person. 95% of the time it's inaccurate because we don't have enough information, but we feel like we have to do this or we do it on reflex. And so people are doing the same thing with you. So dismiss it because you know, it's not accurate. So why would you worry about it? When people say, oh, these, everybody's going to laugh at me. And I say, really, everybody, who, who are these people? Do they know you? Why would you care about what a complete stranger thinks? I love this expression. What other people's opinion is of me, is none of my business.
1: You know who said said that to me first? It's not. Larry Wingett, personal – he's a pit bull of personal development. He's been my guest many times. He said that to me in my first interview, and I scribbled it down on an index card, and that was probably 10 years or, or longer. It's still up there on my whiteboard. I was like, oh, you just described me because I firmly believe that. You can have your opinion. I have mine. We're either going to get along or we're not. But I really don't care what you think of me. It is not my business. It's and you know who taught me that? My grandmother. You can do. That's exactly right. My grandmother taught me that when I was young. And, she, you know, people would walk by and they'd kind of stare at us. for I don't know why. The people always stare. And I was getting nervous about it, you know. Again, introverted child. And she, I asked her, I said, why doesn't that bother you? I was maybe around eight years old. She said, honey, if they don't like the way I look, they can just not look at me. And I went, oh, okay. Made perfect (laughs) sense to me. And then Larry Wingate said that, and then you just said that. That's how I operate.
0: Yeah. And that's, it's so powerful. Like I said, it's one of the most liberating things you can do as an insight. Because it's true. It, it, it's, your worrying about it is based on total inaccuracy. and but, but it's impairing you. It's impeding you. It's stopping you. And this is the other thing that bold people learn is that when they try things, 90 percent of the time or 99 percent of the time nothing bad happens unless you decide to label it as bad you don't have to be embarrassed let's i I, let's say i'm I'm at dinner and i with with a bunch of people and i spill wine on my nice white shirt now i could be embarrassed and i could go oh no and all i can think about is do i get a napkin to cover it now that i got a napkin tucked in my shirt i look silly uh or how do I go run to my hotel room and change my shirt or whatever? Or I could just look at it and say, well, this is to everybody. Well, this is why my dry cleaner loves me. And everybody laughs and it's over. And now I'm the guy with the wine stain on the shirt who doesn't care. Now they admire me because it doesn't bother me.
1: Right. And you can turn <laughs> it's it a into a hey. Does that look like Africa to you? I mean, you can
0: do anything with it. Yeah. Is, 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 this, is, this, is, is this, you know, two horses having sex or is this, uh, <laughs> you know, the map of Africa? What do you think? And they say, what's wrong with you that you see horses doing that? Well, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it upside down. Maybe that's it. That's a uh,
1: but yeah, it's a conversation. It's just
0: a choice. And, and, and again, it's, it's, that's how you develop charisma is because whatever happens is good for some, in some way, it's good. And so bold people have learned to not label anything as bad and to not approach uh, anything with the fear that, Oh, it's going to be bad. They're assuming somehow it's going to go well. And it could be a, a total undiscovered thing in the moment. They could meet somebody new and interesting. I have found that when I talk to a stranger in an elevator or anywhere if I get into a conversation, I, it's, it's never more than a minute that, I, that it takes to find something interesting about them as a human being. And I, I laugh at how consistently that happens. And it's, and it's just a matter of saying there's nothing, oh, they're not going to think it's weird that I'm talking to you in the, in the elevator. We're both standing there thinking it's weird that we're not talking. Which is that's the, you know everybody gets in an elevator and they all just stand there like there's there's a big light at the top of the elevator that says be quiet.
1: Oh. It's,
0: it's not necessary. It's bizarre.
1: I you know I've never noticed that because I don't get in elevators with other people. I'm a little bit on a lot. No, I'm I'm claustrophobic. (laughs) On top of being an introvert, and I have been known to bail out of an elevator when somebody comes in. I say, "I'll catch the next one," and I'll have to explain to them sometimes, like, "Yeah, I'm claustrophobic." Oh, okay. But I'm not going to be in a. One person is fine. Two people is one too many. I'm out of here. And I've had, I've been in buildings, I kid you not, where I've had, I've either tried to find the stairs or I've made, I don't know how many car changes to get to the floor I needed to be in. I leave early. I know if I'm going to be in a building with, you know, big elevators, lots of floors, I leave early because I'm going to have to make car changes. But I know this about myself and it works.
0: Yeah, you just need, need to plan ahead. I don't have yeah. a, a, a specific treatment for claustrophobia. Sure. Um, <laughs> All right. Well,
1: I don't <laughs> want to talk to you anymore. I was hoping. <laughs> so, but, you know, it's just I, it's, but you right.
0: I, I can solve a bunch of stuff, but, uh, <laughs> you know, even fear of heights, but claustrophobia is tough. Um, yeah,
1: that's – yeah, it's one of those things.
0: Yeah, and and I don't have it at all. I can do an MRI, and I'll be lying in there singing to myself. It doesn't know oh, no. that father's.
1: No, no, no. You talk <laughs> about hesitation. I would be screaming and clutching the doorframe, going, "No, no!" I just wouldn't do it. You'd <laughs> have to drug me, knock me out.
0: All right. Well, let's get to the to the D in the Pride Method, which is dosage, which is controlling the intensity of the experience. Uh, if you are trying to create more boldness and, and take your confidence and put it into action, you have to control the, the intensity of it so that you don't retreat deep back into your comfort zone. Uh, it's based on the principles. Of, actually, the pride method itself is actually based on the principles of improv comedy, which is you actually start non-verbally when you learn to do improv and gradually work your way up to the point where you can walk on stage with no material, take a suggestion from the audience, and create a scene with three other people. But you don't do that on the first day. You don't start creating scenes on the first day. So wherever you are, however shy or underconfident you are, you're going to control that venture into your discomfort zone that's not so deep that it's traumatic, but it's uncomfortable. You, go, you have to push yourself to, to make that step forward and then gradually increase the dosage. And now in the book, I have exercises. There's five levels of exercises. There's about 100 exercises that you can do that gradually move you up and it's something as simple as smiling at everybody you meet as, as you walk down the street, intending to find that person who won't smile back and deliberately not taking it on, not taking it personally, because what you find out is most of the time people smile back and you get that positive feedback loop. And then when somebody doesn't, you don't have to say it's something wrong with you. It could be the worst day of their life. Or they just have bad teeth. Whatever the heck it is, you don't have to take it on. But now you're starting to build your boldness muscle. So that's what dosage is, is just like with exercise. Starting with the weight that's difficult, and you're going to push yourself, but it's not 300 pounds in your first workout. So you're building up that boldness muscle gradually. And it happens faster than you think, but you're creating this positive. And then the final step is everyday action. Work on your boldness every day. Make a bold move or two or three or five every day. Because when you do something every day, it aggregates. You progress. Even if it's an inch down the field, you get more and more down the field, whatever you're trying to do. If you only do it, it's just like if you say, oh, I, I only exercise when I feel like it. Oh, well, how often is that? Once a week? Once every two weeks maybe? Um, if you just say, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something physically. I'm going to move every day. I'm going to either just do 20 sit-ups every day. Or I'm going to work out three days a week doing this. That's really hard. And then, But in the meantime, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to take the stairs. Uh, up and down three times uh, every day, what you do aggregates what you don't do every day deteriorates. And this comes this is about chasing your dreams, which means you got to work at stuff every day. That's how you get somewhere. And also, when you do it, your brain starts to say, "Oh, this is who we are. We are a person who exercises. We are a person. Who talks to strangers, and it and it and your brain starts to redefine who you are in all these situations, and that's the the power of everyday action, and it and it applies to anything in your life. What you do get to every day is what makes all the difference.
1: That. That's absolutely true. I mean, it really is. And you have to pay attention. And in your book, you talk about journaling. And I want to get to that, too, because for some people, journaling is just a matter of habit. They really want to keep track of what they're doing, where they've been, where they're going to go. It may be part of a vision board. It could be any number of things. But one of the things, and you said this very early, let me go back just a little bit to prep. And what you know, you're talking about making a compliment, give somebody a compliment. It's not that difficult to do, and it's actually you can meet the darndest people. And, I, you know, I told you, I when I go out, I, you know, I've got my face on, I've got my hat on, I don't want anybody to talk to me. Never happens. So I've just given in and started conversations myself. And I remember, and this was years ago, probably 12, 13, 14, 15 years ago, I was in my local grocery store, and I saw this lady right in front of me at the checkout counter, and she was lovely. She was probably in her mid to late 80s. She was lovely. She was dressed beautifully. She had her manicure was done. Her pedicure was done. Her hair was done. She stood up straight. She was walking proud, and she was a tiny woman, And I looked down, and she had the cutest sparkly little sandals on. And I went, oh, those are so cute. We got into a conversation once we both checked out. We talked over by the the shopping carts. We call them buggies down here in the south for probably a couple of hours. It was a fascinating conversation. I've never seen her before since, and I suspect that she's no longer with us. But it was a fascinating conversation. I was so happy. When I finally left that conversation in that store, and I've never forgotten that, and it was just me going, oh, those are cute shoes. And they were, I was thinking my mom could wear those. You know, but they were just so <laughs> cute. She was precious. I want to grow up to be her.
0: And, and, and that's a lot of times you, you don't realize the impact your, your little compliment can have in transforming their day.
1: Uh, and mine. You know,
0: I, I think Enjoy in the book I I, I talked about it. Uh, you know, I saw this woman who was she was all dressed in yellow, head to toe, and and I'm you know my first judgment was that looks ridiculous. Okay, I have to have the judgment first, and then I said this is my habit now is if I find something that I have a criticism about of somebody, I force myself to create a compliment to give them about it, and what happens is. I, it changes my opinion of them because of their reaction and because I'm mostly wrong anyway with my first judgment. And I had said this to this woman. I said, wow, y- you look so great in that color. And she said, oh, you know what, thank you so much. She says, I, I've just been really down lately, and I thought I'm just going to brighten things up by, by, by going wild and wearing all yellow today. So I, I really appreciate you telling me. So what did I do? I, I reinforced her movement out of feeling down or depressed by saying, this, is, this works for you. No, I could have just looked at her and made a face like, what the hell are you wearing yellow for? You look, you know, you look like a, a street sign or something like that. You, you know, I can, I can have that criticism, which allows me not to connect with another human being, which is a deadly way to approach life. Why not connect with as many people as possible? Why not find out that we are all connected, that we are all just flawed human beings trying to find our way, and we could use a little help. We could use a little encouragement. We could use a little positivity. Why not be that voice of upliftment out there in the world? Uh, And then why not make bold moves and make the world a better place? That's what I'm trying to do is create as many bold people making a difference in the world and also also making people care about each other and feel better about each other.
1: We need that now more than ever. We really do. So I want it. We've got about four more minutes left. This hour went so quickly. It always does when I have really fascinating guests, which I always do. But let's talk about journals because here's my thinking if you haven't written it down, you haven't given your neural pathways any, any favors if you haven't written it down, but you also can't go back and figure out what you were thinking, or did I do that, or should I do that, or, hey, that was a great thought, or, oh, that was some stinking thinking. What, what can you share with us about journaling in about the next three minutes?
0: If, it's another everyday action. I, what I have people do when they do an exercise, make sure you journal about what happened, what you said, what you could have said, how did the person react, what did you learn from it. It takes a minute, two minutes to do that. But what happens is you're processing it. It's, you're reexamining your day to reinforce the learning. It's, it, as we said before, failures are just information. Everything you do has more information in it. If you take two minutes to reflect, and I'm sorry, you've got two minutes. You, and you just need any sort of a journal and it has to be a habit. You have to, you, before you go to bed, you take two minutes and reflect on your day. What, what, what was good about it? What could have been better? What was interesting? what, what are you excited about for tomorrow? And then I I always start every day. I get up and write three things I'm grateful for, um, three things that I want to get to today. And then I do some affirmations and it, it takes me two or three minutes to do it. And it, but now my day is starting off from a place of gratitude, first of all. And then I've laid out before i 've checked Instagram and my email and everything else i 've laid out three things that i 'm getting to today, and it could be saying i 'm going to i'm going to talk to a stranger i 'm going to meet this person i 'm going to call this person i 'm going to try this whatever but when you do that for yourself, you begin to train yourself to go into action and also be grateful for everything when you start with gratitude, everything is, is negative becomes secondary, gets pushed aside. It's impossible to be grateful and angry at the same time. It's impossible to be grateful and upset and frustrated because you're, you're looking at what's good and there's always something good. So Listen, I start my it day the same you way. Write it, write it down.
1: Yep. I agree with you. I do the same thing. And you know what, I've, I found that years ago, you know, I'm one of those people, I jump out of bed, my eyes open, I hit the floor right And my mom used to say, Oh, my God, the devil just said she's awake. Oh, jeez. But I had to stop and teach myself. And I don't even know where I learned this or how I figured it out. But I had to stop and teach myself not to jump out of bed, not to go, you know, hit my computer after I fed the cats. But to actually express out loud, and this is important for me, out loud what I'm grateful for, and it changed how I operate life. Really.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a, a tremendous gift to give yourself. So do do if you do nothing else after you hear this podcast, do that. I actually I obviously recommend reading my book and building your boldness to amazing levels but start start by doing something every day to embrace gratitude
1: exactly fred we're just about out of time where can people find you and do you have any last minute wisdom tips tricks advice that you can share with us before i let you go
0: so you can find out more about me at fredjoyal.com that's j-o-y-a-l um, you can buy the book on amazon it's me reading it uh, And in the audio book, and it's on Kindle and hardcover. And uh, you can also download the first chapter from my website. And if you're reading it digitally, you can download the exercises in a PDF form and the journal format from my website as well. Uh, But I just remind people that life is, is too short to let other people decide what you can achieve. The only person you need permission from to have the most love-filled, adventurous, exciting, satisfying, fulfilling life is you. The only person you need permission from is you.
1: That is brilliant, and thank you. Fred, thank you so much. It's been wonderful speaking with you, and I thank you for spending time with us. And before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us on iTunes and anywhere else you consume your business podcast or even an audible just look for your partner in success radio and take us along on your success journey Fred thank you it's been a pleasure meeting thank you,
0: thank you get your voice heard if you would like to launch your own far reaching podcast contact Denise Griffiths at your yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab